0: microphone issue earlier, and I thought I'd check the guys were paying attention, (laughs) so it's all working fine. They might shut me off now, so that would be my own fault, (laughs) wouldn't it? A big thank you to the worship team, big thank you to Dr. Hurd, and to the choir, and am I the only one who would gladly pay to hear Doreen give the announcements? I think she should have her own YouTube channel, you know? Hashtag church announcements are such fun. Um, By the way, tough break for the youth, Home to stay in, sorry about that. Anyway, as some of you might have noticed, um, and it's because of this weather, this persistent cold weather and rain, I think it's psychologically causing me to regress back to being a full-blown Englishman. Hence the tweed jacket and the the formal trousers. I think if the weather continues, next time I'm up here, I'll be wearing a tie and a bowler hat. Well, as David uh, said, we we have a new series, uh, a comprehensive series, which is going to take us right through the Gospel of John. And um, this week, we're looking at John the Baptizer. Well, John the Baptist, and the passage we're looking at is John 1 and verse 19. So John chapter 1 and verse 19. Now this was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. He did not fail to confess, but he confessed freely, I am not the messiah they asked him then who are you are you elijah he said i am not are you the prophet he answered no finally they said well who are you give us an answer to take back to those who sent us what do you say about yourself john replied in the words of isaiah the prophet I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way for the Lord. Now the Pharisees who had been sent questioned him. Why then do you baptize if you are not the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? I baptize with water, John replied. But among you stands one who you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. This all happened at Bethany, on the other side of the Jordan where John was baptizing. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, A man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, The man on whom you see the Holy Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. Shall we pray? Our dear Heavenly Father, we thank you once again for this opportunity to meet together around your word. And Lord, we ask as always that your Holy Spirit would be present with us this morning to open our minds that we might understand your word. Lord, cause each one of us to draw closer to you this morning through your word. In Jesus' precious name, Amen. So, John the Baptist or John the Baptizer, that's the title of today's message included in the, you know, as we move through the Gospel of John. And it's impossible in... in you know, one sermon to talk about everything that there is to talk about regarding John the Baptist. Um, what's interesting is that lots of detail about John the Baptist are spread throughout the four Gospels. Now, we in this series are working through the Gospel of John. And the interesting thing there is that John writes from a slightly different perspective than Matthew, Mark and Luke do in their Gospels. At the risk of oversimplifying things, Matthew, Mark and Luke tend to focus more, they're more narrative driven. They're talking about Jesus did this, Jesus went there, this happened. John does include narrative, but everything that John writes is filtered through the lens of establishing and underlining the divinity of Christ. That is the lens through which John writes everything that he writes. He wants us to look to Christ, and he wants us to understand that Jesus is God. Jesus was the Son of God. That's the slight difference. So that's why you read some more. You tend to find more of the day-to-day details about John in some of the other Gospels. Things such as, you know, he was a wild man. He lived out in the wilderness. He wore a camel, a coat made out of camel's hair, fastened with a rough leather belt. He ate locusts and wild honey. Although it occurred to me that those two foodstuffs are quite on trend at the moment, aren't they? (laughs) Locusts are supposed to be very good for you. I can't speak from personal experience. But you'll find those details in some of the other Gospels. So there's a lot of information, and I would commend it to you. It is worth just going through the various passages in different Gospels which talk about John the Baptist. John, however, John the Apostle, is more concerned about the divinity of Christ and how everything relates to that. Now, on our Wednesday morning men's Bible study, any of the men who are here this morning will probably now touch and roll their eyes because I do tend to go on about a man called Matthew Henry. Matthew Henry lived from 1662 to 1714, I think, somewhere around there. So he was writing at the end of the 17th century. And he wrote a comprehensive commentary on the Bible. And when you consider that he had no electricity, he had no internet, it never ceases to amaze me how, when he's, he's considering one passage, he can refer you to verses In another part of the Bible that are relevant to that passage, we were in in a men's Bible study the other day, we were in Genesis, and in one of the verses in Genesis, he referred us to Isaiah 28 and verse 26. And that, for me, blows my mind that he had that extensive a knowledge. And I have to admit, I am a little bit obsessed, and I do go on about it a little bit too much. In fact, you may have heard this story before, but... I was trying to, like, get all of the guys on a Wednesday morning to be as excited about Matthew Henry as I am. And I said, look, what you need to understand is that this man was writing his commentary with a quill pen by the light of a candle. And then Tom Cox pointed out correctly, well, Simon, you know, he might have written some of it during the day. And I had to concede that Tom had a very valid point. It may not have been all written by candlelight. However, the lawyer in me wants to remind you that in England it gets dark very early in the winter. So who knows? But the reason I refer to him is I looked at what he had to say about this passage, and he just so brilliantly answered the question that these Pharisees were asking John when they're saying, Are you the Messiah? Because John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That's Christ. John opens his gospel up by saying, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus was God. And then he pointed out, Matthew Henry, that a few verses later, verse 6 in John chapter 1, John writes, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. So John was sent from God. And so we have this image of John the Baptist, which we're all familiar with. We're all familiar with John the Baptist. This morning, what I want to do is try and look at a slightly different perspective. I don't want to look at his, you know, the locusts and the camel hair and not necessarily even the baptism. I want to look at what his message was. Because you read, if you read around the other Gospels, you'll read that he was out in the wilderness. He wasn't in the town, he was in the wilderness. But great crowds came from everywhere to hear him and to listen to him. And his message was, you need to prepare for Christ. He says, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight the paths of the Lord. Matthew chapter 3, 1. This is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. John was talking about preparation. Now, John was baptizing, he was baptizing people in water. And what's interesting about this is, John didn't invent the concept of baptism in Judaism. Baptism in Judaism was a custom that had been practiced prior to John. It didn't signify salvation. What it did was it signified a cleansing. A purific- it was a purification ceremony. So John has come and he is out there preaching to everybody who comes to see him. And he says, you need to prepare For the Lord, you need to prepare for Christ. You need to make sure that your hearts are open and clean and ready to receive what this man is gonna come and say to you. It was His ministry was a ministry of preparation. And the baptism that he performed was to signify that the people who listened to him had accepted what he said. They'd accepted that they needed to prepare. And in order to prepare, He said there are three things you have to do. One, you have to repent. If there's anything in your life that is not correct, you have to repent. What does repent mean? Repent means to turn 180 degrees from going in that direction to going in that direction. He said you have to repent. You've got to actually stop doing things that are not right. If you want to be ready to hear from Christ. Second thing he said was you need to cleanse yourself. as signified by by baptizing them. So repent, cleanse yourself, get rid of all of those influences and things in your life which had caused you to head drift that way instead of walking that way. And the third thing John says, then produce fruit in accordance with your repentance. We don't have time today, but he talks in Matthew, I think it is, about the specific type of fruit that he would expect to see. He talks to tax collectors, he talks to farmers, and he says, If you have repented and have cleansed yourself, then that will be reflected in the way in which you do your business and the way in which you interact with people. So that's what John's message was. John's message was, Christ is coming, the Messiah is coming, the Son of God is coming. And he's going to come and he's going to preach and he's going to teach and he's going to talk to you. But you have to prepare. Make straight the path of the Lord. Make it easier for that message to be communicated and understood. That's what I want to focus on briefly this morning. Because we, I think we don't talk about that As much because why would Jesus need other people to prepare Jesus is the son of God he doesn't need the assistance of anybody he's coming to save the world why does he need John the Baptist going out preparing people's hearts Why does he need people's hearts to be prepared before he speaks to them? The answer is, I don't know. But what I do know is that he did need it. It, Preparation did have to be made. Perhaps in this preparation that they undertook following John's teaching, they removed any influences in their heart or their mind or their spirit which might have been negative to the ministry that Christ was going to bring. Perhaps in that cleansing that they did they made their hearts more open to receive. And so I think the slightly odd theme for this morning is the importance of preparation. Now sure you all saw the bulletin for today well this bulletin doesn't happen by accident every single one of us who've been up here this morning had to get precisely what we were doing to Heather by noon on Thursday and that's what happens every Sunday if you're up here doing something the details have to be with Heather by noon on Thursday and you know what happens if you miss that deadline None of us do, because we've never missed it. (laughs) Preparation is important. Now, I am the world's worst gardener. I have no idea. I'm hopeless. Anything I try and grow dies. But I believe in agricultural terms, and I would defer, if he's here this morning, to Kenny, Kenny Blanks, who is our agricultural expert in the Wednesday morning Bible study, that if you're gonna plant a crop, you need to prepare the soil. You don't just go out and find some raggedy old piece of land and throw your seed on there, you have to prepare the soil. So this concept of preparation is not something that's alien to us, but I think sometimes we miss, it's important in our spiritual walk. So John's message, yes he was the baptizer, but the, the baptism that John did was a seal of the repentance and the cleansing because that repentance and that cleansing was the necessary preparation that people had to make in order to receive God's word. And you don't need to be a rocket scientist to see where I'm going with this because if we want to receive God's word... And we want God's blessing, and we want God's direction, and we want God's guidance and protection. We need to prepare our hearts for what he wants to say to us. John had a message of preparation. The second thing that's interesting is that there was a second level of preparation the first level of preparation is John instructing the people he's taught. The second level of preparation was John himself, because we don't have time to turn all of these references up. But if you go to Luke chapter three and, chap- and Luke chapter three and verse two, it says that John was out in the wilderness when the word of God came to him. So John was John different different to Peter. And, you know, who Peter was working when Christ approached him. Peter was a fisherman. He was fixing his nets. And Jesus approached him and took him away from the nets. And Peter then spent the next three years with Jesus being prepared for his ministry. John was different. John had been marked out from before he was born as a man of God. So John had gone out into the the wilderness. We're not told how long he was out there, but he was out there in the wilderness. He wasn't working. He wasn't encumbered by all of the things that were going on in the city. He was in that wilderness waiting to hear from God. And God came to him in the wilderness. And Luke chapter three and verse two says, the word of God came to him in the wilderness. That equipped him for his ministry. That's the second level of preparation. The third level of preparation was that John's parents had been prepared. John's parents had been prepared. We read about that in Luke chapter 1, verses 5 through 25. I'd like to read them. I don't have time. But the angel came to a priest called Zechariah, who was an old man. And said, your wife's going to give birth to a son. He's going to be a mighty man of God. You're going to call him John. And they gave him specific instructions about how he should be brought up. And the priest said, that can't be right because I'm an old man and my wife is old. We can't have a baby. And the angel said, because you've doubted my words, you're now not going to speak. You're going to be struck dumb until the baby's born. Now, it used to puzzle me as to why the angel did that. It seemed like a bit of an overreaction. Was it a little bit petty? But you see, the more I've thought about this is the more I've become convinced that if we speak negativity, we have no idea of the damage that can cause. That's why the angel stopped Zechariah's mouth, because that nine months when the baby was growing in Elizabeth's womb, the angel did not want any doubt or any negativity voiced around that baby. And that should be a lesson to us. If we... I'm not going to say any, anybody with any expectant parents here, I guess not. But it applies to everything. Do we have kids? Don't surround them with negativity. I've been at so many soccer games where I've heard parents screaming and shouting at their kids. We need to surround them with positivity, not negativity. This is a whole new sermon on its own for another day. But I, I, I feel so certain that if we speak negative things, they grow and they spread and they create more negativity. Don't do it with your family. Don't do it with your children. Don't do it in your workplace. And here's the thing. Don't do it in church. Churches aren't perfect. Everything doesn't happen the way we want it to. But don't speak Negativity in your church. Don't speak it about the service. Don't speak it about people who take part. Don't speak it about the deacons. Don't speak it about the elders. And certainly don't speak it about the pastor. It's not our place. Speaking negativity is a dangerous thing. As Christians, we should not do it. We're saved. We should be upbeat. We should be positive. I guarantee the absolute last thing this world needs is grumpy Christians. The first level of preparation was John's message itself. The second level of preparation was John going out into the wilderness to wait for God's instruction. The third level of preparation we see is that John's parents were prepared before he was born for who he was and for what he was going to do and for how he should be brought up. Is that enough to underline the importance of preparation? No, there's a fourth level of preparation. And even if nobody else is staying with me, I know that Big Phil Dunn is impressed with me layering precedent upon precedent upon precedent to make a point here. Because the the fourth level of preparation is that this was forecast hundreds of years before. Malachi 3.1, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord God Almighty. Isaiah 43, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make his path straight. You know, it's funny when you watch the Oscars, not that I do watch the Oscars anymore, but you watch the Oscars and somebody's gone on a bit too long. Sometimes they play the music. Well, I think the equivalent is you hear the coastline guys off stage getting ready with, with their stuff. So <laughs> I'm only joking, guys. You know I am. It's my weird sense of humor. So I will finish. Let's, let's tie this up. Preparation. Right, i banged on about preparation. So what's the application for us today as a church and as individuals? There's two, two applications. The first is we should marvel at God's preparation. God had prepared John the Baptist hundreds of years before. He briefed the prophets as to what was going to happen. As he got nearer the time, he sent an angel to prepare John's parents. Then when John was in the wilderness, he, said, he came to John in the wilderness and prepared him for his ministry. And then John went out and said, you need to prepare to hear from Christ. So today, let's thank God for his preparation. Not a single one of us is here this morning by accident. God's brought us all in here to speak to us, to teach us, to have fellowship with us. Every situation or circumstance in your life, he has prepared. It's a time for you to be a witness. It's a time for you to interact with people you interact with and be a positive influence for Christ. Who knows how many of us might play a little part in the preparation of somebody else. You speak to somebody, who knows, five years later, they then, things happen for them in their lives. they accomplish things for Christ. The last thing is this. We need, do we, let's ask a rhetorical question. Do we want to hear from God in our lives? Do we want to see God moving in our lives? I'm not going to ask you to put your hands up in case anybody says no. If we do, we can't just stumble into that. We have to prepare for that. We have to prepare to hear from God. You want to hear from God tomorrow? Prepare to hear from Him. Cleanse yourself. Remove anything in your life that would upset Him. Pray before you go to work, before you start your day. We need to take our faith seriously. We need to prepare our hearts every day to hear from God. And then we can be expectant, we can be positive, we can be committed Christians, we can have a powerful church. Let's pray. My dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word and so much that it contains for us. We just thank you, Lord, for the level of preparation that has surrounded every one of us from before we were born. Help each one of us, Lord, to take our faith and our walk seriously and to seek your faith to prepare our hearts every day to hear from you and see your teaching. In your precious and worthy name, amen.